to Eli. Eli is the priest. God sends a man. And he says to him, thus says the Lord, did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to your house of your father all the offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why do you scorn my sacrifices, my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? And do you honor your sons above me by fattening yourself on the choicest parts of every offering of my people? Now, God's pretty strong here. I mean, Eli is from the family of Aaron. He's high priest. And he said, you know, why are you doing this? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now declares the Lord, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Wow. So how you treat God predicts your treatment. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that has been bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this shall come upon your two sons, Hopni and Phinehas, shall be assigned to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to all that is in my heart and mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Wow. God always has a leader. And everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and shall say, put me in one of the priest places, that I may eat a morsel of bread. Now, we've already talked about the challenges with his sons, all right? Eli's sons were having sex with women inside the temple courts, in the tent of meeting. Eli's sons were, were despising the offerings and just taking the best for themselves. Eli's sons, the, we started with it, they did not know the Lord. They had an office, but they had no walk with God. Now, that's a dangerous place for preachers to be. When preachers have an office, but they don't know God. When they have an office of leadership and they don't know God. Because when you don't know God, you don't know what's important to God. You live like everybody else, not understanding the importance of certain things to God. I've met people like this in my life. They had an office, but they had no walk with God. They didn't know God. They didn't understand because there's no relationship. That there are things that as men and women of God, you just don't do. There are lines that you just don't cross because these things are sacred to God. And one of them is to mess around with the offerings. And one of them is how you treat the auditorium, how you treat the house 
of God. Yeah, these guys were having sex with women in God's house. Now, when you get into a situation like that, the problem with, with Eli was Eli was a good man. Eli even scolded his sons and maybe even scolded Hannah because he thought she was one of those bad women waiting around for one of his sons because that's where she was, is right there at the entrance to the tent of meeting. But Eli's problem was he didn't stop it. Now, brothers and sisters, like it or not, as a pastor, there are things that I have to stop. And you know what? People will hate you for it. That's okay. You can bark at people, but barking sometimes doesn't work. Eli barked at his sons, but it didn't work. Sometimes you have to force it to stop or take the people away from the position so they don't do it anymore. Ah, chapter three. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Yeah, I wonder why. You got sex going on in the house of God. You've got the offerings being despised. And there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, all right, so he's an old man. His eyesight had begun to grow dim, was lying down in his own place. He had his own quarters there. In fact, they, they believe it was a cave, and they believe they found Eli's cave at Shiloh. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord. Now notice. Samuel was lying down where the ark of God was. Wow. I mean, I, sometimes I read that passage and just... Now notice, it wasn't a sin to sleep next to the ark. It was a sin to have sex there, especially sexual immorality. The young boy was laying down. He was, he was sleeping in the temple of the Lord. Now, I, I remember the first time I went to Korea as a young man. I wasn't on the board or anything, but I had just gone there to the church. And Dr. Cho made a comment about, you know, in all-night prayer meetings, there are many people who sleep before the Lord. And I thought, no, that's disrespectful of God's house. I mean, they just, and it's true. I mean, around 1 o'clock in the morning, a lot of people were laid out in the pews sound asleep because they had to go to work the next day. But they'd wanted to be in the prayer meeting, and they slept before the Lord. And I think, I just thought, oh. But later when I read, Samuel was lying down at the temple of the Lord. So th this is why when we have all-night prayer meetings, if people fall asleep, you don't see me get upset. Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Wow. Then the Lord called Samuel and said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli. And he said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. All right, so Samuel did not have a walk with God yet. He's a young boy. He'd never gotten into a relationship with God yet. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now the Lord called Samuel a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. If he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. 
he had to learn how to respond to the voice of God. Now, sometimes I, I hear people talk about God spoke to them. And I hear about this encounter that they had with God and that, you know, they're all standing in God's presence and they're challenging God about this and challenging God about that. You know, I've learned to never believe those. When the presence of God really shows up in your life, you know what people did all through the Bible? <laughs> they got on their face. They were very humble. When God speaks and you know it's God, it is, I'm sorry, there, there, is, no, there is no pride left within you. you. You just bow. How do you answer when God calls your name? How do you answer when God speaks to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Not, oh God, I've got 15 questions for you today. No, speak, Lord. Your servant, your servant is listening. When God speaks to us, we don't interrupt. We listen. You need to get a hold of that. When God speaks, be silent and listen. Do not interrupt. The Lord came and stood, calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm going to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Now, here is the key. He barked at them, but he did not stop it. Now, parents, you've got to get a hold of that. I think that there are many families, I'm sure that there are many families that have watched the blessings, watched an anointing lift off of their families, because as parents, you knew what the kids were doing, you barked at them about it, but you never restrained it. Now, now, please, notice, it's not that the kids were sinning. It's that he never restrained it. He never stopped it. Parents, you've got to learn. Stop it. Don't just bark at people. Stop it. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Why? Have you ever asked the question, why? Because his sons despised the offerings. How they treated the offerings. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to God. I like that. Samuel's job was to sleep in God's house and to open it in the morning. I would like that job. I think that'd be a cool job. But Eli called Samuel. He said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me, all that he told you. 
So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Eli, Eli's heart. Eli was not a bad man. Eli was a good man. He just didn't stop his sons. And he knew. He knew God was right. Okay. He knew God was right. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of God. Now, we've been through priests and now we enter the age of the prophets. Now, this is a very different situation. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. And the Lord, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now, the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. Now, I wonder what that means. So I, I put a question mark there, okay? Is this the fire again? Is this the glory again? I don't know. But I want you to notice he revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Young pastors, please forgive me, but listen carefully. You want encounters with the reality of God. Yeah, I've had a few in my life. Amazing. But I want you to notice how God reveals himself to a leader. He reveals himself by the word of the Lord. Young pastors, spend more time in your Bible and not in your cell phone. Okay? I, I know preachers, they can't even find the book. <laughs> that's almost, that's maybe too far, but they don't even know the books of the Bible. They couldn't find a verse in the Bible if their life depended on it. They got to ask somebody else, can you find that verse for me? I'm not talking about looking up the words. I'm talking about they can't, where, where is Isaiah? They don't even know where Isaiah is because they spend no time in their Bibles. If you're going to be a leader for God, God will reveal himself to you by the word. You need to spend hours in the word. You know, this, this modern blessed shallowness, as they call it, this modern little Facebook slogans and beautiful oratory. I'm sorry. Let's get back to Paul. Paul said, I may not be a great presenter, but I have knowledge. Uh, that, that verse is one of those strong ones in the Bible. They were always comparing. Paul's not as good a speaker as these other. Yeah, Paul may be not be a, as good a presenter. He may not have his, you know, his all of his projectors and his LED screens and his, you know, he may not have all that. Paul had knowledge. Pastors, it's not wrong to have good teaching abilities, and it's not wrong to have, you know, tools to help you teach better. But you know what? You better have some knowledge to present. Chapter 4, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines, and they encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Ephek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. When the people came to camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us this day before the Philistines? 
Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who was enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hupni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout, so that all the earth resounded. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And they, when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. For they said, A God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the mighty power of these gods? These are the gods that struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage, be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his own home. And there was very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel died that day. And the ark of the Lord was captured. Wow. And the two sons of Eli, Hapni and Phinehas, died. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh that same day, his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. When he arrived, Eli was sitting on a seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came to the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? Then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle of this day. He said, How did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among your people. Your two sons also, Hopni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backwards from his seat by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died, for the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel forty years. Now his son-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attended to her, said, Don't be afraid, you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. So they named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because her father-in-law and her husband and she said, the glory, of God, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. This is a sad day in Israel's life. All right, let's open up our hearts, spend some more time in worship. Yeah. I was a loser most of my life. And you know all the way I tried and tried Always failed Because of what I've said Then one day I just met the man Who took away all of my sin He took me away from my losing ways Taught me how to win I cannot be defeated No, and I will Satan's pit. Jesus. 
nervous pressure comes up now and then He tries to make it look so bad That's when I say God's at work in my life I know I can be had I just lift up the word of God And give both Satan a fit I cannot be New Testament passage today begins in John chapter 7, beginning with verse 25. Jesus has gone up to the feast in Jerusalem. His brothers, his physical brothers, has openly mocked him about it. He's gone up, but he goes up quietly. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? For we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. Now, now that's not true because they know he comes from Bethlehem. So this is a false idea in society. Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I came from. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. So notice, Jesus did not pretend they did not know. He did not try to fit 
no attempt to fit into the false doctrines of society. He said, you think that you don't know where the Messiah comes from. You know where I come from. <laughs> so he didn't even try to fit in this. He, he didn't try to, to create illusions. Verse 29, but I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. That word because is big. It wasn't time. Yet many of the people believed in him. I like that. Not all, but many. They said, when Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? And the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about them. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. And Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to each other, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? In other words, does he intend to, to go with the exiled Jews that are scattered across the world? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now, brothers and sisters, this is on the last great day of the feast, the high priest, in total silence, as the audience is hushed, pours out a drink offering before the Lord. And in that silence, Jesus lifts his voice. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Okay, So the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. Now on Pentecost Sunday, I'm, I'm going to preach on why we need the Spirit. <laughs> and I don't even dare begin again with that. All right, let's... Close out today with a little bit of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23, beginning with verse 6. Do, do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Don't go to dinner with a stingy person. And don't accept gifts from a stingy person. Do not desire his delicacies. For he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. No, I, I just don't accept gifts from stingy people and don't go out to dinner with stingy people unless you're paying, okay? Because the whole time you're eating, he's thinking about, all right, that bite of food costs that much, all right. Uh, that mango juice costs this much, uh, all right. That, that, uh, that scoop of ice cream costs this much. All they're doing is thinking about the cost. Don't go out to dinner with stingy people. And don't accept gifts from stingy people. <laughs> you will vomit up the morsels you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. Now he changes subjects. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Now, that's something I've had to learn in life. Because I always thought you can teach anybody. You know, you can teach anybody. 
But no, that's not true. I have learned in my life that there are people I don't speak around. When I discern, usually from Proverbs, I look at the characteristics of a fool. You can go and look them all up. When I figure out a person's a fool, I'm just silent around them. I don't try to teach them. All they do is despise your good sense. Just learn that there are some people you cannot teach. Do not move the ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless. This is called land grabbing. Don't move the ancient boundaries. Don't try to take something that's not yours. Forgive me. Don't squat. You know, I, I know everybody says, oh, squatter, squatter, squatter. Oh, the rights of the squatters. No, that land belongs to somebody. Now, I know people hate it when I say like things, things, things. I have no compassion. I have lots of compassion. But when you steal another man's land, there's, there's spiritual penalties for that. Don't, don't take what's not yours. If it's not your land, don't take it. Don't move the ancient boundaries and don't take the fields of the fatherless. They've got no, no men in the house to protect them. Don't use their weakness as an excuse to, to take what's theirs. For their Redeemer is strong and he will plead their cause before you. In other words, you start messing with people like this, God deals with you. I've learned in life, when people start moving the ancient boundaries, when people start trying to land grab, they're dealing with God. Because God, God is the one who owns all the land. Just, and just like he gave land to Moab and to Ammon and to Israel, God gives land to your family. God says, I'm going to give you this piece of property. This, this is yours. This is your family's. And when people try to steal it, they have to deal with the God who gave it. Wow. That's a heavy one to end with today, I will admit. But never, never land grab. And, and when people do land grab, understand they're facing God. We'll see you tonight. We'll be in service. We're going to have nothing but praise, worship, and prayer tonight. It's our first live Friday service back. And so we're very, very excited about it. This weekend, Mother's Day. So Saturday and Sunday, Sister Bev will be preaching. Now, we can't give out flowers because, you know, how do we sanitize them? We, we can't do the photo boost because, you know, how do you sanitize it and social distancing? But we have done some things on Facebook where you can put your pictures inside mothers and daughters and things like that and honor your moms. We, we put some things up on Facebook that you can use. Next Mother's Day, we'll do it upright. But this Mother's Day, we'll see you in God's house.